0: with another episode of currently binging the podcast about all things tv and movies if you're listening for the first time welcome make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to my voice on also take a few extra seconds to rate comments all greatly appreciated so yes if you clicked on this this means that you want to hear what i have to say about ant-man and the wasp quantum mania well I actually have quite a few things to say because I sat down and wrote out some notes, did a little bit of research, Googling, all that great stuff, um, which leads me into my first little thing. Um, If you're new here, then you may not know that I am not the comic book expert. I am not the Marvel expert. I just love watching all the Marvel movies and TV shows. I've literally been watching them since the beginning. We'll probably continue watching them for like forever, (laughs) no burnout or uh, what is it, superhero fatigue for me, but I am not the expert. I can literally count on one hand how many comics I have actually read. I usually, my knowledge is limited to whatever happens in the movies, or the TV shows, sometimes I do some Googling and will like bring in some insights from there, um, which leads to my next point. There will be spoilers, not only for the movie, but especially for this one, because I did look some things up potentially for future storylines, because I am going to be talking about some comic references that I found in some articles. So yeah, Again, this is just my opinion. We're not all going to agree, um, but we can agree to disagree and we can be cordial about it. If you don't want to hear what I have to say, there are plenty, I'm sure, of other podcasts with people talking about whatever it is that you want to hear about this movie. So let's get into it. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, stars, of course, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, um, Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. Imageline Lily as Hope Van Dyne. Um, Michael Douglas as Dr. Hank Pym. Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne. We have a recast for Cassie Lang, who's played by Catherine Newton. I believe this is like the third recast of her. Uh, but when we had the blip, uh, we saw her briefly as an adult. And then they recast her again. So, it's kind of like, okay, tied someone who, um... I would say probably is a little more well-known. I've seen her in a couple of things. She was in Freaky. I believe that's what it's called. Um, And then Pikachu, that Pikachu movie, which I actually did watch. (laughs) Why do I feel like it was like Dr. Pikachu or something like that? Um, But that came out a couple years ago. And then um, we had Jonathan Majors not making his debut in the MCU, but making his, is this his film debut? Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, Eva. He hasn't popped up in any post-credit scenes no making his film debut in mcu because we did see him make his debut in season one of loki last year but he official officially makes his debut um in the films kicking off phase five we are in the multiverse saga um which i believe i talked about this last year but um Marvel released like these are all the the different sagas and what they're called and so we are now in the multiverse saga Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is such a freaking long name <laughs> but there have been longer longer names like not surprisingly but um they this is the first movie to kick off phase 5 uh this was directed by Peyton Reed I believe yes And let's talk numbers, so, because you guys know I like to talk about the numbers. Which is very interesting to me, and I think there's some dialogue that we can have around these numbers. Definitely a lot of dialogue happening around the internet on these um, numbers, specifically the scores. But it was President's Day weekend, it was a long weekend. And so, with a four-day weekend, um, domestically, the movie bought in about $120 Which isn't bad. I believe I saw that it was outpacing, like the last, the second installment of Ant-Man, which was Ant-Man and the Wasp, and also outpacing the first one, Ant-Man. I believe. So like people are still thinking like it could potentially hit like seven hundred million. We don't we don't know. We'll see what happens, um, with the second weekend and what the drop off looks like. But like, I don't know. I think just based on how. Closer, it seems, that the release of a movie in theaters to its release on Disney Plus, speaking specifically about Marvel movies. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But I also, because as I was writing my notes, the last movie that I discussed was um, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And I kind of have that comparison a little bit, which is probably not a good thing to compare it to because there are so many other reasons why um, Black Panther had like a pretty solid um, opening weekend. But like their opening weekend and it wasn't a long weekend, I don't believe if I'm remembering correctly. But like they opened at, like 181 um, domestically and it was like over 500 something by the time that I recorded that episode, which if you haven't listened, you can go listen to what I had to say about Black Panther Wakanda forever. Still need to rewatch it. um, And you will know why if you go and listen to that episode, but um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but total 250 million. So that includes both domestic and international totals. Now let's get into where like all the um, discussions are happening, which is around these scores. So Rotten Tomato score, uh, critic score forty eight percent, which is a rotten score, um, and then eighty four percent for the um, audience score, which is tied. So forty eight percent is it. This ties it with Eternals as the lowest um, rated critic score or Rotten Tomatoes critic score for a MCU movie. Which is like internals, I still need I I still need to go back and, and re that. Which this I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but we could probably talk about like that too, because I always usually talk about like, oh, would I re something? Which generally I would, but a lot of the movies from phase four I have not rewatched. So what does that say? I don't know. We'll put a pin in it and we'll come back to it. <laughs> Which I'm like, I should probably type this so that I don't forget to come back to it. Because you all know how my mind works. Let's see. Let me add this to my notes. You're going to hear some typing. Rewatchability. <laughs> okay. But, um, so that's Rotten Tomatoes. Cinema score is a B. Which, I didn't know this. But apparently, um, and it makes sense because I like these are the standard things that I talk about as far as like the scores and the monies and all that tied to any movie that I talk about, not just like MCU. Um, But it makes sense just like thinking of all the recent movies that came out within the last year or so um, that there is a recent trend of lower audience cinema scores for the MCU projects. And I did not know that they had like a straight A winning streak That spanned like 21 movies. So I think Thor had um, like the, like Thor Thor, I think the 2011 Thor had like a B. And then for 21 movies straight, there were just A's. (laughs) Just like, like some variation of an A, A minus, A plus. Which I mean... If there was a report card, like you would have a 4.0, just saying. But um, I don't think that would be as surprising. So this kind of is going to tie into theater experience because, of course, I saw this on opening weekend. I actually saw this on Saturday, a matinee. Um, I believe it was a 12 p.m. showtime because I went with my sister and um, we were originally supposed, I was originally supposed to go solo to like a 9.45 a.m. Um, show on Saturday morning, but then she wanted to go. So then we were going to go to 1130 AM showing, but she was running behind. So we ended up switching to a 12 (laughs) PM showing. So ended up going to 12 PM and honestly, like buying tickets and you all know, like a lot of these movies they are like tickets are available super early, like buy the tickets. Usually there's like this, um, urgency for you to go, and buy tickets, especially if it's like something that's being talked about a lot, like a Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That, that wasn't a movie you wanted to wait until the week of to try to get tickets to because then you were going to be sitting with your nose at the screen looking up with your neck curtain. Um, but uh, for this one, I actually bought it literally because I bought some. All those times I said I bought tickets for and had to like refund them <laughs> to get new tickets. So like I literally bought tickets for three different show times and was able to pick like the seat that I wanted in those three show times. Granted, it's matinee, but like even looking at some of the um, like night screenings, it still wasn't like packed. So to me, it didn't seem like there was this big like anticipation or a drive for like people who may not be as familiar with the MCU or who may not follow every single project within the MCU to want to go out and watch it. To me, it seemed like it was more the people who are super loyal. <laughs> I, I hesitate saying super loyal, but are super loyal or into the MCU or kind of like following movies. Movies So like, these are like your Marvel boys and gals who are just like in it to win it until the wheels fall off literally um and then them being dragged with um like dragging their partners with them or friends like a friend group uh ant man is also kind of more of like a family friendly friendly type of movie to me as well although in my show there weren't I'm like trying to think, I don't think there were young kids in my show at all, but like it comes off at least with Paul Rudd, it comes off a little more um, family friendly. Although it did seem like there were a lot of references that weren't so family friendly. And I was in my head, like, I know this is PG-13, but my gosh, every single time I'm like, how, like, what does PG-13 mean nowadays? Because if I had a 13 year old, I would be like, uh, I don't know if you should be hearing this, but <laughs> there were like just some references. I was just like, mm. like if you're young, it probably goes over your head. But if you're an adult, you're like, oh, okay. Like the whole jokes <laughs> it was, like, it was really, really on the nose. But yeah. So I think that, um, just from that experience of being able to easily get the seats, And not seeing, like, a big, huge demand, at least in my area. And I was getting tickets at at two different theaters. Um, And that was the experience for both. Like, the one theater that we were going to go to for the 1130 show had so many seats available. I've never been to this theater. Um, My sister apparently likes it because it's far out the way for me. Um, to get to, because I was just, I'm like, I would rather go to the theater that's close to me, so I don't have to be rushing, stuck in traffic, trying to get somewhere. But um, that one, they had so many seats available, so like that was one thing. Um, and I think the vibe, like, because you know, I always get the get the popcorn and stuff, so all the people in the popcorn line are the people, at least for the time that I went, or are people going to see Ant Man? And like, there was a little bit of buzz, but it wasn't like a lot of excitement, like which if I was to compare it to a Black Panther, which I really don't want to do, but like that was literally the last MCU movie um, that I saw or that came out. Um, It was just like, you could just feel the vibe of like anticipation and this energy to like go in and watch it. But like, is Ant-Man really a movie that people are like super hyped to go see? It's never really been that way, at least to me. Um, I've always enjoyed the Ant-Man movies, but I wouldn't say they were, like, the most, the movies that I was most excited about seeing if I looked at all of the movies that were coming out, like, for the year or whatever. So, like, that's my two, my (laughs) two-piece, my two cents on, um, like, why I can see, like, to me, like, a, a B score makes sense. Even like an eight. Now let's talk about the eighty four percent audience score versus the forty eight percent critic score. And I've been saying this a lot um, recently. I mean, if you if you are a um, avid listener to my podcast, then you know that compared to the amount of TV shows that I talk about, like the amount of movies that I discuss on this podcast, have gone down for various reasons. Um, COVID is probably the biggest. Um, culprit of why that's going down. Because now when I go to the movies, culprit, I would say the biggest one. I want to say COVID is the biggest one. I would say it's probably like the second or third. Um, because I'm very picky about the movies that I go see, especially because I have, if you've listened for a while, you know, I'm, I've am i created a space at home where like I genuinely enjoy watching um, movies at home. Because I just like, Set up my house that way to enjoy um, the movies that way. But I mean, like, your home viewing is not comparable to, like, viewing in the theater. And I feel like that's the case for certain movies, for sure. But overall, like, there are just some things I'm just like, oh, I would rather watch it at home. Like, more of those, like, slower-paced type movies. Um Whereas, I think the biggest culprit has been the length of the movies. <laughs> because... When I say these movies are long, like all the movies over two hours and Marvel movies are like at least two hours. Some of them were pushing two and a half hours. I believe Black Panther was like two and a half hours or something like that. Like they're so long and it's just like, do I really want to sit in the theater for that long knowing that I'm going to need like bathroom breaks and I can't pause and all that stuff (laughs) because, you know, as you get older, like... You can't hold it so long. So. <laughs> so there's that. Um, so like those are probably like the biggest culprits and barriers to me being able um being able to go see movies. And then it's just like the quality of movies. There's just not a lot of movies out there that I'm like interested in seeing in general. Outside of like the MCU and like some of the other um things that I talk about on here. But I say all of that to say I do feel like and I've I've said this before that there is this trend. I think people in general have been a little bit like unhinged <laughs> in their response to how they um like react to things, especially things that don't directly impact them. But I have seen this trend um especially with with the MCU because there are so many movies um and we had and we're coming out of a phase, which I thought was an interesting phase if I'm being completely honest, where I felt like Marvel was trying to figure out, um, or not even figure out, they were trying to test new ways of, not ways of storytelling, because I don't want to make it seem like they did like this big, like unconventional groundbreaking thing because they did not But I think compared to what they had been doing up until um, Endgame, that whole new post, I would say like post Spider-Man, like all those movies, like. There was a lot of friction you can feel from um, people being like, well, this, I don't understand what's going on. Like, this seems weird. I'm, I'm talking about like an Eternals that got a lot of like people frictioned off. Um, the Even Dr. Strange, um, Multiverse of Madness, like even that one was kind of like people are a little bit. But Dr. Strange, I feel like kind of people either like it or they don't. <laughs> I actually enjoy Doctor- Like I enjoy all these movies, so I'm probably not the one to ask. But but um, <laughs> so, like just things like that. We're like, what is going on? It's like you get all the art because of like what is going on with the MCU? Does Marvel know what they're doing? And then we started to talk about um superhero fatigue, which we have been talking about superhero fatigue for like the past 10 years, literally every single year that Marvel or DC announces like the slate of things that they're going to release everyone's like oh it seems like a lot is it going to be is it going to be superhero fatigue it seems like people are have superhero fatigue like the people who want to watch these movies are going to go watch these movies regardless if they're over them or not which is why it takes me back to what I originally said about like the interest in a movie to me seems like people who are going to continue to watch these movies regardless Of, like, what is going on because they truly want to watch them. And I think Marvel or like Disney, (laughs) but Marvel is gonna have to, I think they're aware and they're gonna have, and are gonna have to think about the audiences that are coming in because it's like, As they continue to move further and further into these phases and introduce more and more new characters, which I'm going to go through a slate of them that we got this the last like year or so (laughs) when I talk about um, Cassie, Um, but like we've gotten so many that as you continue to introduce new ones, like, and I talked about this a little bit, I can't remember which (laughs) MC you think it was. So just go back and listen to them all. It was within the last year. But I think as we get more and more and as it continues to grow and grow and grow, like, you, like, you're just going to have some casualties. People are going to stop watching um, them. They're not going to be as interested. Like, they're going to be like, oh, life is happening. Am I really that invested in it? And they're going to have to think about, like, okay, who is the target audience for this? How do I how do we reach those new um movie watchers who may not necessarily still be invested or have been invested in the beginning and I think they're kind of doing that with like some of the storytelling um and making them a little more relatable and I'm more so thinking of like the TV shows um like Miss Marvel um what was it Hawkeye his show intru- introducing Kate Bishop like some of these younger younger characters um and stories and trying to keep it connected to like what's going on in the world but let's hop into the movie because we spent we spent a good chunk of time talking about that. But we're kind of getting into what I want to talk about in the movie because, like, we do still get some of that like real world connection um, via Cassie. She is very much a um, protester, very much <laughs> conscious about what is going on in the world. Um, we see that she got arrested um, for. And she's very vocal about like how the homeless have been treated post blip, which is like very much real world. Like they're in San Francisco. Like this is San Francisco. I live in the Bay Area. And like that is a very big concern in the real world. And so like to try to to have to to try to make that connection is very, very apparent. There was one other thing that they were talking about that was, like, very much so, like, oh, okay, we're, we're making ties to, like, what is going on um, in the real world, which is not new, something that they've been doing. It's not new for, like, these superhero movies in general. Like, even speaking outside of, like, a Marvel movie, even when I think of, like, the, D- the DC, even when I think of DC movies as well, like, that's always been a common thread. But even my sister was like, oh, my gosh, here they go with, like, the, with the real world, um tie-ins to problems and things like that which I think it well, I wasn't I didn't have issue with it because it was very very short it was very much in the beginning um but then oh the other thing where like people are being moved so more like those like civil rights type of themes of like people being um pushed out of like their home their land and someone coming in and taking it over like that's like a theme as well um which we uh see when they're in the quantum realm uh but yeah so I think the pacing overall for the movie I think it was fine I I should start by saying this if you wanted to be like Eva did you like the movie yes or no I think my answer would be I did not like it and I didn't Love it. It was very much in the middle for me. Like, I enjoyed watching it. Uh Would I say that it's potentially forgettable? I could say that. Uh <laughs> But it's not the only movie that I think in the MCU that is potentially forgettable. Like, Eternals. You all, if you've listened to, like, any Marvel thing that I have did in the past year or so, you know I constantly forget what that movie is called <laughs> so like <laughs> there are definitely other examples um for it to kick off all entire phase I don't know what people were were wanting again this is where it comes in where I am not that familiar with the comics so like I can't speak to what people may have been anticipating but based on like the googling that I did I feel like this felt very much like a setup type of a movie to set us up for this arc that we're going on to, on until we get to um, the two-part Avengers finale for the Multiverse Saga, which is the Kang Dynasty, which is, as of today, slated for 2025, which seems literally around the corner, and the Secret Wars, which is um, slated for 2026, but also... There is a comic, a 2015 comic um, in the same name, Secret Wars, which I'm trying not to jump around, y'all, but we might have to jump around a little bit because I do think that I want to talk about that. No, let's do this. Okay. So overall, that's like my overall high level (laughs) thoughts. Let's talk about Jonathan Majors because... I thought he did really well. I think that there was this big anticipation of what he was going to do. We knew he was going to be Kang. We were introduced to him in Loki. And I think that um, because we know he's like the big bad and he's going to have this arc similar to Thanos, that there's a lot of this anticipation and maybe um, overpromise in a way of what we think that we're going to get, which is why I can also see why... um, this would be or feel like not as like hyped up or kind of like a letdown because you're kind of like, oh, we're getting like another Thanos level type of villain. But if you think about Thanos, like Thanos was just in the background for literal movies and we didn't really see him until like in a big, big way until we got to the um, final two Avenger movies. So I think if you think of it from that perspective... Then it's kind of like, okay. But I think because we're coming off the hills, semi coming off the hills, because it's been some time now of um, Endgame and Thanos and like his whole literally trying to end the world and disappearing people, that like we're coming in thinking with these high expectations, but not really thinking of the overall arc, if that makes sense. So this was very much a setup of, like, what's to come down the line. Like, when I see a two-part Avengers finale, the first one is the Kang Dynasty. Like, I'm expecting big, big things to happen there. And I don't know that I'm necessarily expecting big, big things to happen from Kang in these, like, earlier movies leading up. I think it's going to be a lot of the same of, like, as we enter... I think that um, Ant-Man, like, this movie was like, okay, intro or like second intro to Kang um, in the films. But then I think everything we're going to get in between, like, I don't know how much of Kang we're actually going to see. Like we may see him more like maybe in the um, post-credit scenes of the movies that are coming out. Again, I don't, I don't read the comics. So like, I can't speak from that POV, but like, that's just what I'm thinking. We did get the little tagline at the end, usually, It'll say, like, whoever's movie is it is. So if it's like Amen it will say, we will return. But, like, we didn't get that. We got Kings will return because one of the post or the mid-credit scene was um, we saw the Council of Kings, which was led by Immortus. Um, and this kind of ties into what uh, Kang the Conqueror. So, also, I think that the other thing with this king is like, he's supposed to be this big, bad thing. And if you're, if the comparisons are steady, that he is like a Thanos type villain in the fact that he was so easily defeated, although like that's what we saw. Is he really dead? Because we didn't really see his body. He like went into the little tube thing. And you all know when people I'm always like when people disappear into like things, they usually show up later at some point. <laughs> Case in point, Loki is a good example of that. Um, but One of the things that he said, because he did take over the quantum realm and um, he was trying to escape. And one of the things that he said to uh, Janet and also the case that he made to um, Scott as well was like, this is why I need to I need to get out of here. He had been banished or exiled there. His um, like mode of transportation had been um sabotaged and so Janet we saw her you all know I don't I I'm kind of feeling like the when I talk about TV show where I'm like I don't like to recap the whole thing but you all know we saw she tried to help him and then when she touched it she saw his mind I was like oh my gosh this person's a little bit unhinged maybe I should not help him and so we saw all that and so she essentially um made The like core thing that he needed for his to power his machine made it like super big. And the only way to get it back down to the size that he needed it to be was for them to come back down there, which essentially they end up back down there because Cassie was like doing things you probably shouldn't have been doing. And of course they're not communicating because had they been communicating, they probably, Janet would have probably told him like, no, we don't, we don't need to go back down there or like send any messages because there's someone potentially uh, unhinged <laughs> who lives down there. But essentially what he was telling them was um, one of the things that he said was like, he saw how it ends. He talking about um, like all the Kangs uh, he he saw how it ends. He saw their chaos spreading across realities, universes colliding, endless incursions, which I underlined. He saw the multiverse and it was dying all because of them. So he took control, which essentially led to him being exiled um, in the quantum realm. But um, I underlined incursions because apparently... This is not the first time we heard incursions. The first time we heard incursions was in Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. And essentially it was described as um, an incursion occurs when the boundary between two universes erodes and they collide, destroying one or both entirely. You know, science. (laughs) And so um, essentially this also kicks off the 2015 comic secret wars which is why like there's like oh if you're like into the comics you're probably like okay secret wars was this me potentially we can see the introduction of like some of the x-men like we've heard mutants thrown around we've talked about it in previous um installments in the mcu but like we may see some familiar X-Men. I don't know. <laughs> but like it all ties together. And like clearly like they're working towards something. Um, and I think if you're still watching at this point, like you are you are locked in and interested in what they're doing and what they're creating. And I just don't think like the fatigue thing is going to impact you. Versus if you're someone who's like an occasional watcher, which I don't think this like coming in, if you start <laughs> with this movie like I don't think you would be that confused to be honest like you can kind of pick up that oh something happened there was this big event some people disappeared and Scott missed out on a good chunk of Cassie's um childhood like you can pick that up pretty quickly without having to go back and watch anything so like a lot of these one-off movies I think they're going to pick up the people who are interested in those characters. But like overall, the people who are going to continue to watch movie to movie to movie to movie are going to be those people who are like heavily invested in seeing this thing all the way through to whenever it ends, if it ever ends before it starts getting rebooted, which like we've been how long now we had the 10 year, a couple of years ago. So it's a little over 10 years and we haven't had a reboot yet, which is good. So, we shall see. Um, but I thought Jonathan Major's like acting wise, top notch. Like I really enjoy watching him on the screen. I, I love seeing the different, um, variations of the Kings in the mid credit scene, because I think that speaks to like his acting ability. I did see an article. I didn't read, I can't, I didn't read the article, so I can't quote it, but I did see like a quote from him where he said that he hasn't watched um, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania yet. Or that I don't even think that he is going to watch it. Because he said that he doesn't want that to impact how he acts in the future movies. Which is just like... Also, it doesn't hurt that like he's very easy on the eyes. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, what else do I have? Comedy. I mean, Paul Rudd, you're expecting there to be some laughs. You're expecting it to be funny goes back to some of the jokes that I thought were like very much like inappropriate jokes like if you if you were an adult you probably got if you were a kid it probably went over your head like I thought those were funny and people laughed in theater but then there were moments and this is like the case in all of these movies but it feels even more so apparent in like the latest slate of movies like I'm thinking about like the last Thor uh, movie I felt this way as well where it's like they put in these moments where they're expecting the audience to laugh. and But when you're in the theater, like, no one's laughing. But it's clear that they want you to laugh. I don't know. I just think it's weird. But there were quite a few moments like that where I was like, oh, I see what they were trying to do. But, like, no one reacted to it. Um and you all know I love me a good Friday matinee opening weekend show for Marvel movies. Because that's when, like, all the hardcore Marvel folks go and watch, and it's always very rambunctious, and, like, the energy is just different, Um but, like, again, I went on a Saturday, and it was a different energy, but, like, I don't know. It was, it was a little weird, but, like, there were definitely some funny moments. The action, I don't know if it was, like, that action-packed, like, yeah, we got some action towards the end, but, like, I don't know. Was it like hardcore fighting? I don't know. And, and then I don't know if it's because like we're limited in this like new world. So you kind of also have to like explain this world to um, the viewers. Because like, yeah, we've been not, we haven't like been here. But like we know about um, the quantum realm. Like we've seen bits and pieces of it. But like we haven't actually been in there for an extended amount of time. And so you kind of have to like re. Um, you have to orient people in that type of a situation. And so I don't know if that also kind of could take away from it a little bit as well. Um, Cassie, I already talked about her being recast um, by Catherine, now played by Catherine Newton. Um, she got her own Pemtech suit, which I was just like, girl, if you don't put that suit on <laughs> with were like down there. And Scott had already put his suit on and then... It I don't know, it's like it was a reveal that we knew was coming and it just felt like they were slowly getting to the reveal. I don't know, maybe it was just me, that's how I felt. But apparently in my Googling, um it feels like, at least from the interwebs, that they're trying to set up a young Avengers because apparently Um, we've gotten, well not apparently, we have in the last year or so. We've gotten Kate Bishop from Hawkeye, the Maximoff twins from WandaVision, Elijah Bradley who is from, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Kid Loki from Loki. These are all like the TV shows on Disney+. Um, we got America Chavez who is from, now we're talking about a movie, who was from, um, Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, and then potentially like a, uh, Kamala Khan, who's from Miss Marvel, who is Miss Marvel, um, or Riri Williams, who was in the last, um, Black Panther could potentially join the group, even though in the comics, it sounds like they were in like a different young people group. <laughs> and then also I saw this flown out there in one of the articles that I read, like Hulk's son, which we did get that, um, Kind of, like, surprised at the end of She-Hulk where we find out that Hulk has a son, but we don't see him. We don't know how old he is. So, like, people are just speculating that, like, we at some point are building up to a Young Avengers. Is it going to be a movie? Is it going to be a TV show? We don't know. Um But, yeah. Which is going to bring me to, like, my where do we go next? Um So, make sure I don't <laughs> forget to talk about that. Um But... We already talked, so let's talk about mid and end credit scenes. So we already talked about the Kings. Let's talk about Loki. So the end credit scene was Loki in the early 1900s um, and it intros Victor Timely. So why did I put this? I put a quote here from one of the articles I read. When Sylvie killed he who remains in the finale... She got rid of the one person who had been preventing the war from happening. Okay, this ties back up to, so, one of the things that, after Kang said, like, um, in the movie, when he was talking about, like, the incursions, and he was telling them, like, you all need to let me escape, because if you don't let me escape, then something worse will be unleashed, and we kind of see, like, Scott kind of mulling over it at the end, when he's like, oh, because he died, is something really bad going to happen, and it's all my fault but then he kind of was like oh no no like don't think about it and so apparently he who remains is the one who had been preventing the war from happening um but because sylvie so killed him it let loose his more dangerous experience in the process i did tell you all there are spoilers so like hopefully <laughs> if you're still listening like there are spoilers for like everything mcu related tv shows movies Comics, like all that stuff. So um, we go back to the post credit scene, early 1900s, introduces Victor Timely. And apparently in the comics, um, after taking the name Victor Timely and establishing Timely Industries, King essentially uses his company to build the time travel technology that would grow and advance Over generations to eventually allow Kang to be the so-called master of time in the first place. So like, are we about to get a, um, what is it called? (laughs) An origin story for Kang in season two of Loki? I don't know. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of where we left off. We know we're getting a season two of Loki this year, which I did not write down the date, but it is happening this year. (laughs) Um, Which kind of brings me into what is next for um, the MCU So I can't remember if it was Bob Iger But someone at Disney <laughs> Was talking about Or if it was Kevin Faye, Maybe it was Kevin um, Was talking about how You know I, I wouldn't say that he said that, there, that he said the phrase Superhero fatigue But like if we look at the last The last phase of the MCU We got a lot of stuff and we got a lot of stuff in that. We got movies and we got TV shows and it was a lot. I even t- said it was a lot at some point in reference to the TV shows because I was just like, "Oh my gosh, like like I can keep up, but like I don't know that my brain can keep up." <laughs> and so, they kind of he kind of mentioned that and talked about how um moving into phase 5 is going to be a little bit slower of a rollout. So, we got um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, this month, the next movie we're getting is Guardians Volume 3, which is in May. And then they moved out The Marvels, which we're getting in November. So just three movies this year. Still seems like a lot, but like, I don't know. We'll see. Because last year, I can't remember how many movies we got. But it's still like three, mo- three movies. Seems like a lot when you put it in like you put it next to like the TV shows as well. So TV shows were for sure getting low key. I didn't write down any of the TV shows that we're getting, but apparently like they're doing, they're slowing down the releases of that as well to kind of give us like a little bit of breathing room. And I think that could also help with like some of like the anticipation because it doesn't feel like everything is happening back to back to back to back because there was just one moment um, where I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm literally watching something Marvel almost every month. (laughs) I don't know how my brain or my being feels about it, but it feels like a lot, but I'm still going to watch it, but it feels like a lot. And I was very vocal about it. So it's going to be a little bit slower. Of course, I'm going to be here to discuss all those things. Um, I did see my note about rewatchability, which kind of brings me to um, talking. When I talk about phase four, and I mentioned earlier in the episode, how I was like, oh, I haven't really rewatched anything from Phase 4, which is also kind of a little bit of a lie because I did kind of re-watch Shang-Chi, but that was literally not me going and seeking it out. I was literally at my sister's house and someone was watching it, and so I was just sitting there watching it, but it wasn't like the whole thing. But like I haven't myself gone out and been like, "Oh, let me rewatch one of these movies from Phase 4." If you've been around for a while, like back when I was talking about um or like back when I was leading up to the two Avenger movies, Infinity War specifically, I went back and rewatched all the movies leading up to that point and I told y'all that that was a lot. And I said that I would probably never do it again. <laughs> and since then, I have not sat and like rewatched a huge chunk of MCU stuff. Because it's a lot. Like at this point, like over 20 plus movies. There's just no way that I could sit and re-watch all the things. And I think I said that I would probably watch them in like buckets. So I probably would never go back and sit and watch from like the beginning all the way through to end game, But like I may go back... And watch like post Spider Spider Man uh three, which I think I have watched Spider Man three again. But is that Phase Four? I think that is Phase Four. I think that kicked off Phase Four, or did that in Phase Two? <laughs> Clearly, so much or no, or in Phase Three. Cause like Phase Two, no. Either way, <laughs> I have rewatched that one. But like everything else, um, I have not. I did recently rewatch um endgame and still cry like a baby like and it happened how many years now since endgame has came out and i still shed a tear it's just that is just just chef's kiss (laughs) that's all i can say (laughs) but yeah so i think like the rewatchability as far as like the phase four stuff it's not that i don't want to rewatch them it's just that i don't feel um there's not like a desire to be like oh i have to rewatch now, Black Panther, I will go and rewatch because I had to take a bathroom break. So I did miss a little bit of it. Um, But like, again, it's like almost two and a half hours. I can't remember how long that movie is, but it's so long that it's just like, literally, I have to find time to sit and rewatch it. I think that's what the struggle is. Everything is so long that you have to like commit to sitting and watching it because I just can't break them up Um into like days or whatever, because like it's not a TV show, it's a movie. But yes, yeah, so I don't know if that speaks to like, I wouldn't call it fatigue for myself, more so just do I, is there a, not a need, but is there a um, desire to want to rewatch if I know that I don't necessarily need to? But yeah, so that's all I have to say as far as my grade for Ant Man. Like, I would give it a B, to be honest. Um, again, like I said at the and at, earlier in the episode, like it wasn't like the best movie. It wasn't the worst movie. It was literally in the middle for me, um, which would be like a B. I don't think it would. I don't. I wouldn't give it a C because I don't think it was at least in my rating scale that low to be a C, because I think it's watchable. <laughs> Like, it's it's a very watchable movie, but it's not, like, the most exciting thing, if that makes sense. I don't know. Let me know what you thought about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Uh, Let me know all your thoughts on everything that's happening in Phase 5 or coming up in Phase 5. What did you think about... Jonathan Majors as Kang, are you excited to see how his villain arc plays out? Let me know all the things and I will talk to you all in the next episode. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking through it to the end. Be sure to follow me on all the social media platforms at currently bing on Instagram and at current on Twitter. Also, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, and I'll talk to you in the next one.